welcome. Uh, if you're thinking, great, I'm a guest, and I picked the day they're going to give a big offering to come to church, oh, you got to be kidding me. Of all the days, you know, for real. I want to let you know you picked the perfect day to come to church. This is better than any other day. You say, why? Because... Christians are known for a whole lot of talk. Let's just put it like that, right? Like we say we do a lot of good, we talk about it, and we, you know, all that. But sometimes you meet a Christian, you're like, then you find out that you're a Christian, you're like, a double take? You're like, oh, really? I wish you weren't almost. Like you're just not helping the cause, brother. You know, it's just not making it easier to reach people. So today is a day where we are going to put the proverbial money where our mouth is. We're going to pony up. We're going to do the impossible because we believe that God has a place for us. We believe this community is worth it. We're going to take the gospel to this neighborhood and we're going to raise that 250,000. We're going to get in that building. We're going to see thousands of people come to Christ in that place. Do you believe me? Say amen. Yeah. And it's going to start today. Today's going to be a historic day. You're going to look back and be like, I was there when that little old church, we raised that $250,000. And I was there when it seemed like they didn't have a prayer, they didn't have a chance, but we just have a big God, a really big God. Matter of fact, this week I, was, uh, I ran into a person who, who is not necessarily antagonistic, but isn't exactly thrilled that our church is going into that place. I'm finding that more and more people are recognizing our church in our neighborhood, and uh, they were like, uh, you're, you're not going to do it, are you? I was like, what are you talking about? They were like, it's just, you know, you guys don't have the money. You're just not going to do it. I was like, yeah, we're going to do it. He's like, where are you going to get the money? I was like, we got a big God. And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, yeah, we do. That's what's going to happen. And uh, that big God has put a big heart inside of you to give big. Okay, do you see how it comes? Full circle. It's going to be a great day. Some of you are like, no, it ain't. No, it ain't. Yes, it is. All right, it's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do. We started this series entitled Great and Awesome a few weeks ago. And we talked about the key to success that God has given us. He's opened these doors for us. And then we talked about opening wide the window, that God can get it to you, but can he get it through you? So we said we're going to open wide the window so that not only can we give, but also we can receive. And then last week we talked about there are doors and then there are doers, and it's doers who step through doors that make the biggest difference, okay? Easy to remember. And this week I brought a garage door. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah, I just assumed we would, you know. I just thought you were just building the church in here, and then we'd just have to move it over there. No, uh, but today, I'll give you my title in just a moment as we dive into it. But let's get right into the word this morning. Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter number 6. And our title for today is going to come right out of our passage of Scripture. Let's begin in verse number 1. It will be up on the screen, or you can open your Bible, or you can turn on your Bible, whichever you do. And verse number 1, here's what the Bible says. When Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that we had rebuilt the wall, that there was not a gap in it, though at that time it had not erected the doors on the gates. How many know when you're going to do something for God, you're going to meet some enemies? Right? You're going you're gonna to meet some enemies. The moment you decide that, hey, my family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, you're going to have some enemies. The moment you decided, hey, I'm going to go to church, you're going to find that there's some people that don't like that. The moment you decided to love your wife or to love your husband, all of a sudden everybody's like, you're crazy. The moment you decided to say, hey, I'm going to bring over and above my tithes, I'm going to bring an offering to get our church in the building, people are going to think, you're crazy. You're going to meet some enemies. And so verse number two, Sambalot and Geshem sent to me, that's Nehemiah, saying, Come that we might meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they planned to do me evil. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. Somebody shout out great work. 
It is a great work, what we are a part of. This is the greatest work. The church is the hope of our nation. It's the hope of the world. The church is Christ's bride. This is God's idea. Man did not come up with the church. Man did not invent it. It didn't start with Peter. It didn't start with Paul. The church started with Jesus. It's his. It's his idea. It's his thing that we're trying to build because Jesus died for you and he died for the church. He shed his blood for the church. This is big what we get to be a part of. This is an honor. This is a privilege about what we get to be a part of in building the church. It is a great work. He said, I'm doing a great work, so I'm not able to come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Four more times they sent for me like this, but I answered the same way. Sambalot sent the same request a fifth time by a servant, but the letter was open in his hand. It was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem confirms it, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Consequently, you are rebuilding the wall. According to these words, you are their king. You have also appointed prophets to preach in your behalf in Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. According to these words, it will now be reported to the king. So come now and let us consult together. I sent him the response saying, nothing like these reports that you are saying has occurred from your own mind. You are inventing them. Because they all wanted to frighten us, they thought they will pull their hands back from the work. But that would never be done. So now, O oh God, strengthen my hand. Verse 10, when I came to the house of Shemaiah, the crippled son of Deliah, the son of Metelbel, he said, let us meet together at the house of God inside the temple, and then we can shut the temple doors. They are coming to kill you. Even tonight, they could come to kill you. But I said, should a man like me flee? Who is there like me who would go into the temple and save his life? I would never go. Then I perceived and saw that God had not sent him, but he pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. Verse 13, he was hired for this reason that I might become fearful and act accordingly and sin. Then they would have an evil report by which they could reproach me. Verse 14, remember, oh my God, concerning Tobiah and Sambalot, these deeds of theirs, as well as the prophetess Nadiah and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. The wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elil in 52 days. When all our enemies heard it and in the surrounding nations saw it, they were tremendously humbled because they perceived because of our God, this work had been accomplished. You'll see a pattern throughout the book of Nehemiah that every time Nehemiah faces a big obstacle, he begins to pray. He begins to seek God. He begins to ask God what he should do. You'll see it in chapter 1. You'll see it in chapter 2. You'll see it in chapter 3. You'll see it in chapter 4. You'll see it in chapter 5. And you're going to see it again in chapter 6. His enemies come against him, so he prays. This reminds me that you and I, when we step out to do something for God, maybe start a business, maybe live right, maybe change some habits, change some things in our life, immediately you're going to have some critics, you're going to have some people come against you, but it's at that point, you and I need to remember that you and I have a friend in high places. You and I have a friend in high places. There's an old adage, help me finish it, it's not what you know, but who you know, and it's true in the Christian life. It's not what you know this morning, it's who you know, and if you know Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, that he can do abundantly above all that you ask, think, or imagine. That's our God. 
And that's the God that Nehemiah was praying to. And Nehemiah knew, even as these enemies were coming against him, even as they were trying to trick him, as they were trying to scare him, he knew he had a friend in high places. And this morning, I need you to know you have a friend in high places. You have a friend that's there. You have a friend that's looking out. You said, I'm about to give the biggest offering. I'm about to give, and it doesn't make sense. What I'm about to do doesn't make sense. It's crazy. But you and I, we live in the Silicon Valley where crazy is normative, where we make big leaps, where we step out in faith, where we do the crazy because that's just normal around here. But I'm tired of the church not trying to step out, the church not engaging, the church retreating and not moving forward. Our church is the church is going to do the exact opposite. Where everybody else is running away from the fight, we run towards it. We're just that crazy. And so we are saying, you know what? We're moving forward. But why? Because we have a friend in high places. You see, all this work began, though, and I love in chapter 4 what the Bible says. Nehemiah said, so we rebuilt the wall until all of it was solidified up to half its height. The people had a passion to work. You see, this morning, it's about passion. I want you to write this down because I think it's so powerful and so important that you understand this. Generosity is an attitude, not an amount. Generosity is an attitude, not an amount. There are some people here that are able to do way above other people. You're able to give. You're able to do far more. God has blessed you. But then there are others. You're saying, you know what? This $100 was a sacrifice. This $1,000 was a sacrifice. This $50,000 was a sacrifice. And I need you to understand that generosity is an attitude. It's not an amount. And too often we say, well, I'm generous. And then as you're giving away, you're like, no, that's not generosity. Generosity is an attitude, not just an amount. Last week, we were inspired. We were just amazed by a really great story. And this story really happened because of some young boys who decided that they were going to be super generous. They decided that, you know what? It's not an amount. It's an attitude. And they really illustrated for us perfectly this thought that it's about an attitude. You see, last week we received really one of the most generous offerings that I think I could possibly imagine, and it was this offering right here that they gave, and it was their vacation fund. Now, I thought it'd be really cool for us to meet these boys because I wanted to interview them because these are three amazing boys. So let's give a big welcome to Reuben, Jacob, and Joseph. Would you guys take your seat, please? These guys have been amazing. Because they came to the early service, they're like super Christians on steroids, all right? Now, now who gets a medal and a trophy is mom and dad, because I know why you all show up the second hour of the later service, because you got kids, and you're like, we need to sleep in, it takes me forever to get ready, get my makeup on, you know, my husband is really slow, you know, so it takes a while to get down here, and so they came early with their three kids, they all look clean cut, fresh, looking good, so we just got to give them a round of applause, they're amazing. Here we go. I'll have you hold this. So what I'd like to do is I wrote down some questions because I wanted to interview these amazing young men because these young young men last week, they brought an offering, and they said, this is for our heart for the house offering. And they took their vacation fund, which has some tens and uh, some $5 bills, a bunch of ones, probably about 27 to 30 bucks. How much do you think it is? Did you count it? No? All right. So I was going to interview them on, on, on really the backstory because it's the backstory that really intrigues me, okay? So I'm just going to interview them. So I got a couple questions for you guys. And first of all, I really like your guys's, how you guys hold your money because, like, my 
piggy bank kind of looks not as cool as yours. Mine's kind of feminine. Mine's kind of got glitter on it. Matter of fact, I feel kind of emasculated showing it to you all. I'm going to put that away, and uh, otherwise people will lose respect for me. So uh, I like your piggy bank a lot better than mine. First question, though, I need to ask. Did you guys rob a bank to get that money? No. Oh, they no. didn't? Oh, okay. Okay, all right. Did you win the lottery? No. No? No. Okay, all right. Did you beat up your parents and take mm-hmm. it from them? No. No? Oh, okay, okay. We're just curious, just curious. I'm going to ask you guys just a few questions because this is really powerful. Just, I loved your guys' story. Um, how long have you guys been saving that money? Like a couple months. A couple like, months. Yeah. That's pretty good. I don't know if I could save that much money in a couple months. My wife is here. She'll tell you he can't save money. Like, that's amazing to me that they were able to save. Some of you were like, yeah, that is amazing. I don't even have that much money. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. A couple months. Um, here's the powerful question. Why did you guys give the money to the church? Well, um, we, the church is going to move to a new place, and we gave the money so we could help to get in that new place for so more people could come and for it to grow. Wow. They get it, don't they? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? How old are you? you got to tell the honest. How old you are? Nine. Nine? Eight. Six. Isn't that amazing how young they are? They already get it. I'm telling you what, that isn't powerful. How many just want, you want to take these kids home right now? You're like, I want them. They're adopted. That's, I just got you guys free daycare. All right there. Just shuffle them out. There we go. Their parents are amazing. And I know when you have a lot of kids, sometimes it's like, oh, it's really stressful. But this is pretty incredible, their heart. So let me just keep asking them some questions. Um, what were some of the things you guys did to save this money? Like, what, what, how did you guys raise it? How did you guys, were you, like, mowing lawns, doing chores? No, we... <laughs> so much pressure. So, um, um, like, when we were cleaning our house, we, we would find, like, change on the ground, and we would, like, pick it up and put it in there. That's awesome. That's so cool. I love it. That's great. That's really good. And then sometimes we worked for it. There we go. There we go. Worked for it. That's awesome. Were you guys ever tempted to spend it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. On our, on our vacation. <laughs> you got one on the end. Like, vacation. no, and then he's just like honest. That is the truth. That is, you get some money, you just want to, like, spend it. Now, was it, here's, here's another tough question. Was it hard to give it to God? No. It wasn't. Wow. Isn't that powerful? That's powerful. That's really good. Um. Here's, here's kind of the, uh, the last question I'll ask you guys. Oh, he wants, he's got something. Okay, I got a good question for you down at the end. All right, boss? Here we go. Here, here's, here's the question for you, all right? Whenever the ice cream man came to your neighborhood, did you ever want to break this open and spend it? Yes. Yes, there we go. He did. That's right. That's right. There we go. What would you like to tell the church people? Because today we're going we're gonna to take up an offering because we're going to build out, we're going to take up our Heart for the House offering. And uh, we're going to build a new Rich Kids area. It's going to have an indoor playground. We're going to have some retro video game consoles, old school Pac-Man in there, a little arcade. It's going to be pretty awesome. So what would you like to tell them as they're preparing to give a special offering? Any, any special words? What would you say to them to encourage them? Uh, I would say that, like, you guys c- could save for the new church because more people could come. We, we would like to see it grow, and um, we just want a new church, so... That would be our permanent place. That's good. 
Wow. So awesome. You guys are amazing. In the first service, I gave him a big old jar of jelly beans. And so uh, I didn't bring a second one for you guys, but you guys just share that one. Can we give him one more round of applause? You guys are amazing. Thank you. Give me a high five. There we go. Love you guys. All right, before you guys go, I'm going to pray over you guys. Because you guys, I think God's going to use these three young men in a special way. Don't you agree? Don't you agree? Aren't you waiting for their parents to write their parenting book on how to get kids like this? Like, we're, we're waiting. It'll be a New York Times bestseller. It'll be awesome. Because, you know, to have children like this, you know, there were some sleepless nights some long days with the parents. And uh, to have kids have that decision. Um, oh, I forgot to ask this question. Whose idea was it to bring the offering to church? Uh, our mom. Oh, is their mom. mom? There we go. There we go. That's right there. That's good. It's always a good mom. I'm telling you what. You moms, oh, you guys are the heroes. And dad. There we go. There we oh, go. Oh, it was Joseph's. She said, oh, it was Joseph's idea. It was idea. Joseph's. Oh, it was Joseph's idea. Joseph, you are the man. This inspired a lot of us. And um, I want to tell you guys that uh, what the church is actually going to do with this. Um, I know. I told you. Yeah, yeah, They were excited about this. We're actually not going to cash this. We're not going to put it in the bank. When we get in the new building, there's going to be a special shelf. It's going to have their picture on this. Because this is the heart. This is the culture. This is the attitude that our church wants to embody at its core ethos. That we dig deep. We give generously because we believe that the work God has called us to really matters. Because too often we're counting what doesn't count. And we're missing out on what matters most. Powerful. I think these boys are amazing. Let's pray for them. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Reuben, Jacob, and Joseph. Father, I know you're going to use these young men in a powerful way. I pray that your favor, your hand be on them. I pray that you would use them in a supernatural way. Thank you for Joseph and Vanessa as their parenting. It's not easy to raise three boys so close in age. I pray that their marriage and love would be strong for each other and for their children. I pray that we would have more families like this family, more families that they've instilled inside of their children at a young age. Your word says, train up a child when he is young, and when he is old, he will not depart from these. And so, Father, thank you for parents that even though it was long days, it was hard, but they've instilled in their children these powerful principles that will forever change their life. Father, right here, maybe the next pastor of our church, maybe the next student pastor, maybe the next worship pastor. God, I pray that you'd use them in a powerful way to take your gospel around the world. I pray that they would spark revival in our generation so that we could see our world transformed. I pray that you'd use these young men in a powerful way. We love you. We thank you for this testimony. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 One more time, church. They're just incredible. Thank you, boys. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Go ahead and have a seat or be dismissed to Rich Kids if you want to go to Rich Kids. You see, it's a powerful example. Yeah, yeah, you guys can. Yeah, you guys are good. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a powerful example to remember that it's not the amount, it's the attitude. So this morning, we're going to bring, a New Testament writer said this. He said that we should bring our offering and be a cheerful giver, not giving out of grudge or out of necessity, but we bring our offering gladly to God. So this morning, we're going to bring an offering, but we're going to do it gladly. We're not going to hold back. We're going to bring the offering to God, and we're going to say, God, I'm glad to bring this to you. As we get a chance, and today we're going to do an offering differently. We're not going to have the ushers come and collect it because we don't want you to ever think that we took it from you. So we're going to have the offering baskets up here at the end of our service, and you're going to bring your offering to God. How many know the physical aspect of engagement changes things? When I see somebody and they lift a hand in worship or they start to nod or they close their eyes, the physical aspect of engaging, this is why we lift our hands. This is why we stand up when we worship because there is something that happens spiritually when we engage physically. 
You can't tell your wife that you love her. Hey, babe, I love you. But it really takes a turn when you say, hey, babe, I love you and give her a hug. When you engage physically, something happens. When you and I get up and we say we're going to bring our offering to God, we didn't take from you. We're going to bring it and we're going to give it to God. That's a powerful thing that changes when we do that. So we're going to bring our offering. We're going to give it to God today. So at the end of the service, we're not just going to sit there and it's not going to be taken from. We're going to bring it to God, which fits the Old Testament narrative. When you went to the temple, you brought your offering. You brought your lamb. You brought your turtle dove. You brought it to the priest. So this morning, we're going to do that in an act of showing God that, hey, God, we're bringing this to you. It's going to be a powerful thing. But I need you to understand that I love this passage because it shows that they, they completed the wall. They built and they had a passion for the work. But understand your attitude needs to grow into action. Attitude is not enough. I hear a lot of people, they have a lot of attitude, but they don't have any action. That's why things don't get done. You see, we're a church that doesn't just have the right attitude. We've got the right actions. You see, you need the attitude backed up by your actions. Because we're not a church that just talks about what we're going to do. We're the church that goes and does it. Other people step back and they think, hey, somebody must have gotten you connected. And I'm like, no, nobody did. We just asked. And God opened doors. There's some incredible things that could happen if you would just simply ask God to open these doors. So this week, we're going to go and we're going to ask because it's easy to dream it. It's hard to do it. And I'm tired of being around people that just want to dream and don't do. We are the church that does. We are doers who step through doors. That's our church. That's our ethos. That's our culture. And if you're saying, yeah, I'm not really sure about that. I'm not really comfortable with that. That's just who we are. That's the pull. You're going to be pulled into this thing because we love to give. We love to go. We love to serve. We love to see what God can do through us. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. It's easy to get get goals, but we need giving goals. You see, it's a process. You see, and we're going to put it up on the screen. See, everybody here has potential. Potential means you don't yet give. You haven't given anything. That's, that's not something we're here to, to guilt you and to make you feel bad. It's just that may be where you are this morning, a part of our church. In the second hour, they had this same message where they just said, hey, maybe I'm new or maybe I just haven't learned to give or maybe I never grew up in a household that taught me like these children to give back to God what he's given me. Maybe that's you. So everybody here has the potential. But we want you to take the next step and not just have potential, but we want you to go to the next step and that's be emerging. That's where you say, I'm going to start to give. I don't yet give anything, but I'm going to start. Today, I'm going to start. So today, some of you are going to bring the very first offering you've ever brought to God. Some of you are going to bring the biggest offering you've ever brought to God. My wife and I, we closed the bank account, we emptied it, we shut it down just so we could bring an offering to God because we were serious about this thing. Matter of fact, we actually closed two accounts, not just one, because we were serious about this. We were like, no, 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 the work of God is far greater because we're not just worried about preservation, we're worried about legacy. Legacy is what's going to outlast you and me. Hey, being a pastor is a part-time gig, it's not full-time, it's not something I'm going to do forever. One day I'm going to be called home. One day I'm going to go, I'm going to be in heaven. And what, what's going to happen? I want to leave a legacy if there was a building where that church kept going. So that's what this offering is all about. Don't look at this offering as, oh, I'm just giving. No, 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 we're bringing this to God. So maybe you're emerging. Today you're going to give. You're saying, man, I'm going to pony up. Yes, I want to be a part of this. I don't want to just be somebody who sits on the sidelines because the person who has the best experience is the one who's invested. We said if you're at a football game, it's the person who bought the expensive seats at the 50-yard line who's having a better experience than you. I guarantee it. They're just having a better time why they're right there they're getting more autographs they're getting more connection they're getting to see more than you and i if we were up in the bleachers up on the top sections so it's an investment or maybe you find yourself today as intentional 
where you say, I'm going to start to give something intentionally. Maybe I'm going to intentionally give 3% of my gross income, or I'm going to give 6% or 9%. But maybe you're stepping back and you're like, Pastor, do you know how much I make? Do you know how big that would be if I were to give that amount? Yeah, it might be big. So should we pray that you start making less so you can afford to give? Like, which way do you want to do this thing? Like, there's two ways to slice this. So I know there's some people, no, no, no. You see, God says when riches increase, don't set your heart upon it. You see, we have to constantly fight against a culture of materialism. It's not wrong to have nice things. It's wrong when nice things have you. See what I mean? You can have all the nice things. That's great. But when the nice things have you, that's when the problem happens. That's when the problem happens when you forget that, yes, it may be a nice car, but it's still a car to get my little rear end from point A to point B. I just may have seat warmers and and, uh, seat massagers and all that stuff to get me there, maybe a little bit nicer. But guess what? At the end of the day, it's a little transportation vehicle to get me over here, not something that I just worship and idolize. My house is a wonderful thing. It's where I live. It's where I sleep. It's, it's a great thing. But guess what? It's not my idol. So we need to be intentional. Am I giving 3%, 6%, 9%? What am I going to do? Where are you at intentionally? Or there's this one where you say, hey, I'm going to start to tithe. I haven't been tithing, but now I'm going to tithe. And all of a sudden, as soon as we start about money, I know some people are like, this is why I don't go to church. You guys always talk about money. Money, 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 money. It's all they ever want to talk about. It's all they ever want. This is why I don't go to church. And if I do go to church, I don't bring my wallet. Okay. All right. I, I got you. The reality is the church doesn't always talk about money. That's just the only time you're actually listening. Because we listen for what we love. Oh, it got real quiet. I know. (laughs) Stepping on your toes right now. About to get real in here. Because there's two things we love to talk about. It's money and sex. And this ain't the sex talk. This isn't that one. All right? You got that in junior high, hopefully. That's already done. This is the money talk. This is the tithe. And here at Southridge Church, our leadership, our life group leaders, our ministry leaders, we bring the tithe. You say, I want to be a part of this church. And, man, I want to be a leader in this church. Then you're going to learn to bring the tithe because no ministry leader, no life group leader can lead unless they are bringing the tithe. You say, that's a requirement. Yes, because that's what our church is. You say, I don't like that. I don't know. Then I'll say it as nicely as I possibly can. This may not be the church for you then. You say, but I like the music and I like the culture. Yeah, what you like, other people had to pay for that's why you like it. Now, we'll still welcome you, we'll still love you, but honestly, you say, I want to grow and I want to develop. Hey, this is the next step. And we're not saying you got to get right there. Don't jump right there, but go through those steps. See where you are. There's the last one. You say, I'm extravagant. This is a giving above the tithe. The Bible says in Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me because you have said, how have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. You see, I know, I, I get this sometimes. People are like, well, I tithe my time. Nowhere. Did Jesus ever say you need to tithe your time? He never said it. Well, you know what? I I just kind of, I paid for that homeless person's lunch. I consider that my tithe. No, no, no. We give to God through the church. That's how it works. 10% to God through the local church. You don't do it end around around it. You don't come around it. You say, this is the structure that God set up. God said, hey, will you rob me? Here's where you rob me in the tithes and the offering. You're not bringing the 10%, the first fruits. You got to bring that and the offering. Bring, bring over and above. That's the extravagant. Where we get a chance. You see, this is an opportunity where we get to give. This is a great opportunity where we get to be the first. On Monday and Tuesday, or Sunday and Monday, we have our vision tours. And we gather the people that really, they, they believe in this church. They're the leaders in this church. They're the ones that are really invested. And we got them together. And we said, you guys are the first first ones to look at this building they were all excited they're all happy we were whining and dining them and i was like hey at the end of it i was like y'all know what vision tour is code for right they were like 
No. I was like, it's a giving tour. That's what it is. All right. You see the vision, you pay for it. Okay. All right. That's what happens. That's how it works. And uh, they did some exciting things I can't wait to tell you about a little bit later in our service. Pretty awesome. But they gave extravagantly. Now, let me ask you a question. If everyone gave like you're going to give today, would we reach our goal? That's the question. What if everybody gave like you are going to give? Would we reach our goal? You see, these boys, they had saved for months to bring this. What have you been saving? You say, I want to bring this to God. I'm excited to bring it to God. I can't wait to give this to God. This is going to be awesome. I get to be a part of this. You see, today we got to understand that we're doing a great work. This is important. So I'm going to give to this. You know, God is doing some powerful things in our church. Every week we're seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. Just incredible. Some of you may know the history of our church. Our church actually technically started in a movie theater. Does anybody remember the old nostalgic days of the movie theater? Yes, there was something about it. I got some people that love the movie theater. That's right, exactly. Here's the thing I miss about it. Here's what I miss about it. I miss the comfortable seats. But even more than the comfortable seats, you know what I miss? Cup holders, baby. That's right. I can give my praise on. And I can have my coffee and not spill it. Because then I get my praise on, it's by my feet. Man, I'll be kicking and jumping and hopping and everything. And then you get coffee all over your nice clothes and you get mad and leave the church. And there's a bad Yelp review or something. You know, so, so, so this week we got an email. An email from Stephen Guggenheim. The Guggenheim family. Anybody ever heard of the Guggenheim family? A few of you heard of the Guggenheim family. Yeah. Anybody ever heard of the Retrodome? Retrodome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right across the street from... Um, the fancy mall and all that, I, I don't go over there. It just sucks my money. I just look at it, and I lose money, so I just stay away, all right? They emailed this week, and they were like, hey, we read about your church in the paper because our church is now in the paper, and, um, which nobody reads. Apparently, he does, but nobody else does. And uh, he was like, hey, um, I have 700 movie seats. Would you like them? I was like, you got to be kidding me. Is God good or what? Is that cool or what? I mean, how awesome is that to have an auditorium filled with 375 movie seats with cup holders so we can get our praise on? You know what I'm talking about? It's awesome. How cool is God? You know what that just tells me? It just tells me we got a friend in high places. You see, what we're about to do, God's already prepared. God's already gone before us. God's already been working long before you and I because that movie theater closed in 2014. But for whatever reason, they decided to keep those chairs, not knowing that we were going to spend about $20,000 to $25,000 on chairs, and we weren't going to get that nice of chairs. Maybe about this level chairs. Matter of fact, we may just tell you to bring your lawn chair from your house and bring it for the next couple weeks before we get it all paid for. But all of a sudden, God's like, I'm going before you. I'm doing things that you don't even see below the surface. So you need to understand that you got to turn that attitude into action and God will meet you there. I said it last week that God will go with you, but he will not go for you. So this week, today, you're going to open up that envelope and you're going to say, by faith, I don't know how God is going to do it, but I believe it. I'm going to put down, I'm making a commitment, whatever I've got to do. If I got to sell some stuff, got to sell a kid, a kidney, whatever I got to do, God, I will go to Mexico. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. The kid, Mexico, sell your kidney, man. You got two, for, you know. But it's one of those things where you're like, no, I'm going to give to the work of God. I'm going to fill it out. And God will say, I'm with you because just like the psalmist said, you're with me, God. Wherever I go, you're with me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me because David realized he had a friend in high places. And you have a friend in 
Only about five of you believe it. Let's say it again, church. Man, I expected that at 9 o'clock with a 10.30. We're a little bit more woke, all right? Here we go. Let's get woke, all right? Here we go. And you have a friend in high places. Never forget it. As you step out, you say, we're going to go and do this great work because it is a great work. And God is building his church. But then understand, your actions will be attacked. You see, in chapter 6, all of a sudden, he meets these enemies. And they're, they're attacking The moment we step out and we say we want to do this for God, we're going to have enemies. There have been people that have written about us. There have been people that have said some things about us. There are people that have already called us in a cult, already called us crazy, already said we shouldn't do this. But we are saying, you know what? God has called us to this. And we've got critics now. And these critics are scrutinizing everything we do, everything we say. And so guess what, church? I'm not worried about that. Because we are the church that cares for the lost. We are the church that cares for the least. We are the church that cares for leaders. We are the church that will do whatever we have to to tell one more person about Jesus inside your booklet you can open up to the middle and it'll show the impact that we have had over the last 12 months most churches would not have that kind of impact in 12 years but our church has seen it in one year it says the high uh, first time gives us 600 you can now double that number because that was pre-Christmas tree giveaway we've seen over 1200 people come to our church in less than a year that's less than a year because we started those numbers in January we're not even done with the year yet that's 100 first time visitors a month church isn't God good that's amazing that's amazing it also says 90 people have given their lives to christ once again that's pre-christmas tree giveaway we saw over 50 people give their lives to christ so this year we've seen 140 people give their lives to christ that's incredible that's why our church exists We need to understand that our church is here because we're going to reach lost people. We're going to reach the least. We're going to reach the leaders. And we are going to be attacked just like David was. But you say, well, how do I deal with my critics? By completing our calling. I remember I went to this little college, and let's just say I wasn't exactly the best student there. All right? I wasn't like a bum or anything. I just wasn't exactly your academic type. Surprise, surprise. But on the other hand, that's why I wanted to date and marry an Asian. At least my kids would be smart, okay? That's right. You say that's messed up? I'm just saying. I'm being honest, okay? It's church supposed to be honest in church, okay? Everywhere else, do it. No, I'm just kidding. And I remember I was trying to date, and I was dating my wife and really trying to woo her and win her over, just doing whatever I could, just busting my tail, trying to win this girl over. And then the vice president, I went to a very small college, about 1,000 students. The vice president comes up to uh, my soon-to-be, well, not even soon-to-be, it was, that was like hopefully, maybe, praying, whatever I got to do to get her. Comes up to her and is like, hey, so I, I hear you're, you're, you're talking to this Makai. I don't know about that. All of a sudden, he was just like, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think you should date him. I think you're better than him. And I'm standing right there. I was like, oh, all those are true. Totally, yes, I agree too. Except for the fact I still want her to date me. So shut up, guy. You know, just like, leave me alone. You're always going to have a critic. The moment you step out, you're going to have a critic. There's going to be somebody that didn't like that you got up and went to church today. There's going to be somebody that didn't like that you're going to start a business. There's going to be somebody that doesn't like that you gave some money to God. There's going to be somebody that doesn't like the fact that you want to live for God. There's going to be somebody at your office that doesn't like the fact that you over your lunch at work are going to pray. There's somebody that's not going to like the fact that you on your own time at work are going to open up the Bible, read the Bible. There's going to be somebody that's not going to like that you are going to love your spouse, that you're going to love your kids, that you're going to be the man of the house, that you're going to be the woman that loves her husband. You're going to be the person that's going to lead change and be a catalyst to make a difference in this community. The moment you step out, you are going to be attacked. Do not be surprised. Nehemiah was. 
But you say, how did he deal with it? You see, first of all, Sam Ballot, he came and he said, hey, let's meet together. Let's have a little powwow. Let's come on. Let's get all the big guys in the leadership. Let's get them together. Let's have a meeting. And that's when he knew they were going to attack him at that meeting. He said, no, 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 because that's where Satan starts. First of all, he starts to try to get you with attraction. He started with Eve. He said, Eve, this apple or this fruit, whatever kind of fruit it was, hey, it doesn't look beautiful, doesn't look good. starts with attraction. When Satan came to Jesus, when he the backside of the wilderness, he said, Jesus, aren't you hungry? Here's some bread. Turn the stones, make it bread. That's the same thing he's going to get to do with you. He's going to try to get you to say, you know what? You really need golf clubs more than you need to get that offering. You need that new house more than you need that offering. Hey, your house is better than that future house for the church. Hey, why don't you buy yourself that new car? Why don't you get yourself those new clothes? Why don't you overextend yourself on the holidays just for yourself? He's going to try to attract you out of doing what God has called you to do. It's going to start with attraction. And if they can't get you on attraction, then they're going to try to get you with distraction. That's where Nehemiah said, you know what? I'm on this wall. I'm building. I'm doing a great work. I'm raising up my kids. I'm loving my spouse. I'm busy at work. I don't have time to be distracted. I've got a mission, and I'm focused on my mission. We as a church have a mission. We're not going to be distracted by our gossip. We're not going to be distracted by infighting. There's not going to be nasty emails circulating around saying, I don't know if this pastor is a little bit young. I don't know if he can handle it. I don't know if we should trust him. There's not going to be any of that crap in this church. We are moving forward because we have a church and a church home. we got a vision. We know what we're going to accomplish. We know what we're going to do. We're not going to bicker with each other. We're not going to fight about the color of the carpet. We're not going to fight about the color of the paint. We're not going to color, uh, fight about if we have movie chairs without cup holders with cup holders. I said it's already settled. We're going to get our praise on. We're going to have cup holders. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to move forward and we're not going to get distracted. Amen, church? That's right. Because you mark it down, there's going to be some idiot with an email wanting to circulate it about something, or there's just somebody that thinks they have a better idea than some expert. There's going to be somebody that's going to try to stop the work, and Satan usually tries to make it an inside job. But when it's an inside job, we need to remember that we have a friend in high places. Understand that you've got a friend in high places, so we are not going to give up. And I know I've, I didn't mean to preach this much. I'm sorry, church. I just, something came over me. I think it's called the Holy Spirit. Man. So we're not going to give in for attraction, distraction, or intimidation. It's going to happen. Somebody's going to eventually say, we're going to stop this church from happening. My dad started a church in Fresno. It's kind of an amazing story to me because the very first people that ever came to my dad's church were Mrs. Craig's grandparents. They were the first five members of our church. As a matter of fact, nobody else showed up but Mrs. Craig's grandparents and her aunt Becky. I think there was one other, and then they brought their son, the first five people of the church. And it's cool to me that I get the privilege to work with the Craigs full circle. God was working way back when I was probably five or six. And they were like nine or ten at that time. Nine or ten. Nine or ten. Probably nine. We'll give it to them. And God was working way back then. And I remember as our church began to grow, we were just in Fresno. Church was six months old. And all of a sudden we had outgrown that Piccadilly Inn, we had a little conference room, little little ballroom. We outgrew it. My dad got this vision. We need to buy land. We need to build building. We need to do it. So they did it. In six months, the church raised $80,000. This is in 1990. They raised $80,000 after being a church six months old. Incredible amount of money. Just incredible. They step out and they buy the property. They start building the land. And all of a sudden, there was a neighbor. He was mad that our church was there. So on a Sunday morning, he'd pull out. And this is Fresno, not the Bay Area. He'd pull out his 12-gauge shotgun. 
I kid you not, and he would just march in front of our church. You talk about a visitor pulling into church like, what in the world? What is that? It's Elmer Fudd out there. Like, you know, anybody ever seen a rabbit? I'm looking for the rabbit. You know, and uh, that guy hated our church was there. He would shut off the water on the building. He then ended up suing the church to get it to go. I remember being at the courthouse because this got escalated and escalated and escalated. My dad didn't take them to court. They took us to court. And I remember walking with my dad in the parking garage. And I remember that man who was there, furious, furious that there was a church next to him. He came in. He started pointing at my dad. He says, I hope you die. I never want to see your church. And I'm standing next to my dad, like sucking my thumb, you know, like, what am I doing here? And he looks at me and says, I hope you die. Immediately, Mrs. Craig's grandpa was there, grabs me. I'm like five. He just grabs me like, nope, we're out of here. Picks me up, says, we're, we're going. I don't, this guy may do something. And it's a reminder that the moment you and I say, God, we're going to do something, there's going to be intimidation. There's going to be attack. I, as our spiritual shepherd, don't want you to get surprised by it. If we expect it, then we won't be dissuaded by it. Because you say, why are we so determined then? Pastor, why would we do this? If, if people are going to call us names, if people are going to think the wrong thing of us, why would we ever do it? And I'll show you why. Because of this man's story right here. Let's show it. My name is uh, Jay Floor. I'm 29 years old. I am from the East Bay. Church was never a part of my life. I've been to churches, but... It didn't feel, how do you say it? It felt like a cult. Maybe, maybe they were the wrong churches or what, but that's how it felt to me. I got introduced to Southridge through an ex-girlfriend. What really drew me in from the, from the get-go was, you know, you're not seeing people dressed up in suits and ties and you know, wearing the same attire, it's kind of like you can come in a wife beater and your hat on backwards, it didn't matter. The other thing that caught me was the pastor, how young he was. So I was like, didn't know what to think there. But then as soon as he started his sermon, I started getting butterflies in my stomach and I'm like, is he talking to me? And that's when it sort of clicked, like, this is probably something I need. I think people like me, that were scared of church until they step foot in this door and see the way it is. They're non-judgmental. The pastor will keep you focused, you know, in tune on what's going on. Um, And the number one key point for me is he keeps it 100% real, honest, and he doesn't sugarcoat, you know. And that's what drew me in. So expanding it is great. I think it's a better opportunity to to get people like me, people that are are like me, had the mindset, my mentality, had a past that's not too great. Probably need to step foot into Southridge 
just give it a shot, I think they would have a different mindset. I honestly do, because I, I did. So today, as we bring our offering, I want you to know where it's going. I want you to know that we're serious about seeing lives changed. It's not just a tagline for us. This is real. We'll invest anything to see one more soul saved. We'll invest anything to save one more marriage. We'll invest anything to help you reach your rebellious kid. We'll do anything to reach somebody who is the lost and the least. Because that's what God has called us for. So in a moment as we prepare to give our offering, inside of your worship guide, there is a heart for the house offering envelope. And today we're going to give over and above our tithes to this goal of raising this 250000 So as you have your tithe, you can put your tithe, but then we also have what's called our building fund. It's a separate account. And in that account, we're going to put and we're going to raise by faith that $250,000 to launch this project. This project will be a multi-million dollar project. But this 250000 this puts us in play where we can move forward. We've already had an architect drop the drawings for free. We've already had somebody give us 700 chairs for free. It kind of sounds to me like we have a friend in high places. It sounds to me like God has been preparing this all along for us. The question for us is will we step through this opportunity boldly by faith, not letting anything dissuade us. So maybe this morning you're saying, you know what? I'm going to do what I can. And maybe for you, $100 is big. Maybe $10 is big. Maybe $100,000 is big. Maybe there's somebody who's going to do a million. Maybe somebody's going to say, it's going to be a million-dollar project. I'll pay for it. I want to get our church in there. Whatever it is, whatever God puts on your heart, would you say yes to? Would you say, God, this is yours? So I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I'm going to ask our ushers to prepare. They're going to put up two tables, and then I'll let us know when it's time to come bring our offering. And we're going to bring it to God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is your church. It's not mine. It's it's yours. It's your idea. I didn't invent this. I didn't create this. This is you. This is about your name. This is about seeing a church built in the Bay Area when it seems that we rarely see churches built in this place where more and more people are declaring to be skeptics and atheists than there are people coming to faith in Christ because they're skeptical of religion. They're not sure of the Bible. They're not sure if Jesus is real and if his claims are true. And so, Father, may we be your example. We may, may we be salt and light. And so, Father, today as we bring our offering, please, Lord, would you take our offering, would you bless it, and would you multiply it? Because we believe as we give by faith, you will meet the need. And maybe some of us, we're sitting here saying, this, is, this offering doesn't make sense, but we are believing that you are going to meet the need. There are some people, they're not sure how they're going to pay their bills, how they're going to get Christmas presents, how they're going to go and get groceries, but, Lord, you're going to provide for them. So, Father, help us to say what yes, whatever amount you put on our hearts. 
And as we prepare to give our offering, may we give it joyfully. May we be glad that we got to have a part in the work of God that's going to change this area. That one day when we are long gone, that our children and our grandchildren will say, My grandpa, my mom, my dad, my brother built that church. They invested. It's their sacrifice that I'm sitting in. It's they gave so that we could have this miracle. And so, Father, we bring it to you. And we're so honored that we get to have a privilege after all you've done for us. We pray that you would bless this offering in an extraordinary way. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.